Hello and welcome to the first episode of What I'm Playing. My name is Jason and I'll be your host for this episode and pretty much all the future episodes. Um, first thing I would like to do, other than thank you for listening, is welcome you to the uh, podcast. Uh, tell you a little bit about myself first off. I've been involved in gaming either as a player or a writer, reviewer, whatever ha you want to call it, for probably the past 20 years or so, give or take. Um, I've done, you know, basically grew up playing video games like most people have, owned multiple consoles, owned computer systems, spent most of the past seven years as a writer for the website GamingTrend.com, where I did news, reviews, previews, pretty much the whole nine yards. So like a lot of people, I've done the E3s, I've done the uh, GDC Austins, I've done the South by Southwest, Interactive, I've done the press junkets, I've seen pretty much the majority of what's out there. Essentially after seven years or so I became fairly heavily burned out and took a break from the whole process, just concentrated on enjoying the games I had because again, like a lot of people, I had a fairly large backlog uh, between the consoles and digital distribution, etc. So after about a year, I decided I wanted to take another shot at this, but I want to take it fair amount slower. My concept is basically, of course, the whole name of it is what I'm playing, and that's what I'm going to talk about for a fair amount, but I'm also going to talk about opinions on the gaming industry as a whole and talk about various things that as they come up. So the first thing I want to talk about, and this will become important a little bit later on, is a month ago today, my mother and grandmother died in a car accident. Now, not trying to make this a sad piece or to quote-unquote bring out the feels or anything like that, but the point of this is, like a lot of people, especially in the past 10 to 15 years, I got into gaming because of my mother. I was a child of the 80s, and as with many families in the 80s, there was divorce involved, and I spent a lot of time with my mother, and I was a latchkey child. So when I left school, and we're talking when I was 10, 11 years old, I would pretty much have a choice of either going to be at home by myself or spending the evening with my mother at work. My mother worked at a convenience store in a small town, so I ended up spending a lot of time there with her. Being that it was a small town convenience store, she was the only person there. So I would go and I would do my homework and then I would sit there and she would give me a roll of quarters every couple of days and I would play Donkey Kong. Now, most kids, you give a roll of quarters to play Donkey Kong, they're going to eventually get good at the game. That's something I never really did. I think the furthest I ever got was 75 to 100 meters, so the third or fourth stage. But the point was, is that she got me into gaming and she supported the fact that I played video games. And admittedly, probably there was a fair amount of make the child busy doing something else so that I can work. And that is what it is. Now, I had an Atari 2600, but I didn't get one till around 83. And of course, we know what happened soon after that. Didn't have a Nintendo, had a friend that had one and I got to play some of that. Never had a Super Nintendo, but I was able to rent one at a local video store periodically. 
and this is again where the whole concept of my mother getting me into gaming and supporting me through it comes into play. One of my fondest memories is sitting on a couch playing Eye of the Beholder on a Super Nintendo, and she would sit there next to me with graph paper mapping out the dungeon for me. Now, for those of you who never played the original Eye of the Beholder, it's an isometric first-person dungeon crawler. So having somebody there to map or mapping yourself was pretty much a requirement at the time. And this continued, you know, through my teenage years and then when my sister was born through her childhood. My mother was always there. She was always interested. She was always part of my life. And it was very easy to share my passion for gaming and other things later down the line with her. And I think this is important because it put me in the position that I am now. Now, again, the important part here is, yes, it's a month since she passed, and I have created this podcast in memory of her. But the point is, is we all got into gaming because of somebody, and we should share our passion with that person. Now, of course, not everybody's going to understand if you game, especially if you can get a little obsessive about it, so to speak. But still... Find somebody in your life that at least understands your interest and appreciates your passion and share it with them. So that's what I wanted to start with. Before I get into what I'm actually playing this week, I wanted to get into some of the bigger news. Of course, in a few days, the launch of the PlayStation 4 is going to hit. I've already got mine pre-ordered. It should be delivered to me at work on Friday. I've already got a couple games planning. I'll be getting Madden and Need for Speed and, of course, since I'm a subscriber to PlayStation Plus, I'll be getting Resogun, and there's another game that I can't recall the name of at the moment. So I'll have a, a few things to play, and the question always comes up, should I buy it day one? And the answer varies a lot. There, There's a lot of different factors that go into this. And I've spent some time thinking about this and considering where it all is coming from and where it's going, And I have to say that right now, November 13th, 2013, I would have to say I would wait on purchasing a PlayStation 4 Xbox One at least for three to six months. And the reason for that answer is across a number of different things. First off, yes, it's kind of possibly a little hypocritical to say, hey, wait on buying a new system when I've already pre-ordered one. In fact, I pre-ordered mine at E3. But let me go into a little bit of why I'm thinking this. The first one is the pool of gamers, so to speak. So there's a number of games that are coming out that are multiplayer games. You've got Madden, you've got Need for Speed, you've got Battlefield 4, you've got Call of Duty Ghosts, and you've got Killzone. And that's just to name a small handful. There are going to be more. There, of course, is DC Universe Online and Warframe on PS4, and I'm sure there's more. But here's the thing. With the exception of Warframe and DC Universe, none of those are cross-platform, and all of those, except for Killzone, are on current-gen systems. That being said, the majority of people that are going to be playing Call of Duty Ghosts, Battlefield 4, Need for Speed Rivals, and Madden are not going to be on the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One. So if your main impetus for buying a system is multiplayer gameplay, you're going to have a much smaller pool of gamers 
to choose from. It's going to mean fewer games online at any given time. It's going to mean more play against the same people. It just, in the grand scheme of things right now, and I'm talking November 15th, 2013 through, say, March 1st, 2014, there's going to be many more players on the PlayStation 3, the Xbox 360, and PC. So that's the first thing you want to look at. The second thing you want to look at is the games that are coming out. Again, at launch, there's approximately 20 to 30 games for each console, and that includes free-to-play games, that includes independent games. It covers the whole group. Retail games actually are going to be the smallest of these. I think Sony has around 8 to 12, maybe a little bit more, and Microsoft has about the same number. And a lot of these are going to be cross-platform with, again, with current generation. The only ones that, you know, that have really jumped out at me as being big launch titles that are exclusives is Dead Rising 3 on the Xbox One and Killzone on the PlayStation 4. So when you look at it that way, there's not a whole lot coming out. And I missed Knack on the PlayStation 4. But the point is, again... You're looking at at a launch set of games that is fairly small and is fairly non-exclusive. If I was going to tell somebody to spend five to six hundred dollars for a system in two games, it's really hard to point at the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One and say that is the best place to spend your money right now. There are too many games that are out on the Xbox 360 and the PlayStation 3 that are so incredible that they need to be played before anything on the PlayStation 4 or Xbox One. I mean, I would personally state that The Last of Us on PlayStation 3 is a much better game than anything coming out right now for the PlayStation 4 until probably February with Infamous Second Sons. I would say that outside of Dead Rising 3, there's nothing on the Xbox One until Forza comes out. You know, and there's a lot of games that are already out for the Xbox 360 that are very worth the play, including, you know, some classics such as Crackdown, Crackdown 2, uh, the previous versions of Forza. There's a huge number of games that are on current-gen system, and a huge number that are coming to where you can conceivably wait three to six months to pick up the next-gen systems and not really feel like you're missing out on anything. And that's kind of the uh, concept I want to get to with this. There's not a lot out there. And I apologize I was wrong. Forza comes out day one. So that's two exclusives on the Xbox One. The next thing is Black Friday. Uh, Most of the Black Friday sales have come out, have been announced, and there's not any sales listed for the Xbox One and PlayStation 4. Now, you wouldn't expect the consoles to be on sale, of course. And you wouldn't really expect a big sale on any of the games. And in fact, that's also holding true on a lot of the newer titles for PS3 and Xbox 360. You're seeing sales, but they're in the 20 to $25 range at most. But it, you would think that there would be PS4 and Xbox One games for $49.99, maybe $44.99 on Black Friday, and there's not. So when you look at the sales, and for parents especially, they're going to be looking at these sales. Again, it's hard to justify five and six hundred dollars for a system in two games when you can pick up a PlayStation 4 bundle with Arkham Origins and The Last of Us for two hundred dollars. 
there's just not enough there at the moment. This this feels like, for the most part, a very soft launch. Now, ultimately, the, and the final issue is, of course, the price, which isn't that big of a deal, especially given that the Xbox 360 and the PS3 did launch fairly high. But the people that were around for the Xbox 360 and PS3 launches also remember the hardware issues. We remember the Xbox 360 launching with around a 30 to 40% failure rate. You know, the red ring of death, the yellow light of death, it goes on and on. And it's not the first time a console launch has gone like that. So the question is, are you willing to spend four or $500 for a console with the chance that there might be some huge end-of-the-world bug that might render a fair percentage of them broken? And the only other thing that really jumps out at me, and this is more on the PlayStation 4 side of things and less on the Xbox One side, and that is the availability of extra hard drive space. You know, it was announced, or not announced today, but, you know, released info today from somebody that got a PS4 early that when you turn on your PS4 and set it up, you've got about 400 gigs of hard drive space. You figure you're going to get about 10 to 15 games on there before you're out of space. Well, right now, there are not very many hard drives bigger than a terabyte that'll go into a PS4. I heard earlier today that there's supposedly a 2 terabyte one that is big enough. When I looked last week, I couldn't find anything bigger than one. Now, you give it three to six months with the way technology tends to operate. More than likely, by the time March to May comes out next year, you're going to see 2 terabyte drives for around $150. Given the amount of space that PS4 and Xbox One games are going to take, you're almost definitely going to want one of those in your system. Especially if they come out with a 2TB hybrid drive to give you that added boost of speed. Now with the Xbox One, that's less of an issue simply because you can use external hard drives to increase your storage space, and you can pick up a you know 2 or 3 terabyte external hard drive for not very much money. You know, we're talking 100 to $150. So, that's my opinion on should you buy a system. I, like I said, I'm buying one. I can't really say no, and I'm not doing it either. If you absolutely must be on the bleeding edge of technology, which <laughs> I can completely understand, sure, go ahead and buy one if you haven't already pre-ordered one. But if you haven't pre-ordered one, and you're on the fence, and you're just going, man, I don't know if I can really spend that kind of money, I would say hold off for the end of the launch window, wait until some of the better things come out, enjoy some of the incredible games coming out for Xbox 360, PlayStation 3, and PC. We may be waiting as long as Destiny next year for a killer next-gen console app, to be honest. So, one of the things I'm, I'm just, again, scrolling through news sites right now. One of the things is it looks like that um, Dead Rising 3 has some frame rate issues. There seems to be a whole lot of, con I wouldn't say controversy, but a whole lot of confusion about frame rate and resolution issues between the Xbox 360 and, or excuse me, the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4, simply because we don't know enough details about the systems themselves. Uh, that was one of the things about the PS4, is we didn't know until a week or so ago the specs on the system. There's a lot of unknowns out there. So they're saying that Dead Rising 3 runs at a native 720p uh, resolution, 
and that the Xbox One upscales it to 1080p, uh, which kind of makes some flickering elements not very good, and also has some post-processing anti-aliasing. Now, that being said, it's a launch title. Um, I'm kind of depressed that Dead Rising 3 is an Xbox One exclusive, and that it's a launch title. I would rather it have waited a few months to be as awesome as it could be. That being said, I also fully expect Dead Rising 3 will hit Windows within the first 6 to 12 months. I, I honestly think that a lot of the video issues that reporters or game journalists or review sites or whatever you want to call you know, call us tend to look at is not things that your average person would see, really. And I could be completely wrong. But for one thing, unless you're talking about frame rate skipping, the difference between 30 frames a second and 60 frames a second isn't all that noticeable. It is a little bit, but it's not something that your mother would recognize, for example. So that's kind of what I'm looking at on that. Uh, of course, Middle-Earth Shadow for Mordor was announced today, which just based on the straight-up concept of the game excites me. Because if you can get a open-world action game in Lord of the Rings and make it be even remotely good, it's going to sell absolute tons. Uh, if you can get something that's along the lines of Grand Theft Auto or Red Dead Redemption in Lord of the Rings, you're, you're talking hundreds of millions of dollars easily. Now, the other thing that came out today was Sony's response to the whole DLNA and MP3 support. Um, of course, when it was announced that Sony was not putting in DLNA, MP3 support, audio CD support, and so on and so forth into the PS4, there was a lot of fan backlash to it, which I can somewhat understand. But I can also understand the reasons that they didn't. Even though DLNA is a Sony uh, technology, there's still licensing fees involved in licensing DLNA, licensing MP3, licensing uh, audio CD, codecs, all that stuff. And those costs are usually not absorbed by the, the publishers. They're sent, you know, added into the price of the console. So the fact that they're not in there at launch doesn't really bother me. The fact that Sony is saying, hey, we didn't know it was going to be this big of a deal, and we're going to look and see what we can do, that's about what I expected. I, I fully believe within three to six months again, we're going to have that support built into the system. Um, I'm honestly surprised. Well, maybe not surprised, but I'm kind of curious that neither Microsoft or Sony ever reached out to see if iTunes support could be built in. Now, again, I could see why that wouldn't be. It is third party, and in some, you know, some ways, Apple is a direct competitor to Sony and Microsoft. It's just one of those things that so many people have everything, every various service, that you would think combining them in one place would be almost a no-brainer. But that is what it is. Now, one thing I'm going to be talking about later on is going to be Black Friday. Uh, I've taken a brief look at the sales, and I don't know if it's just that I've got almost everything I want, or that I'm spoiled by Steam and the Humble Bundle and previous Black Friday sales, but I'm not seeing a whole lot to get excited about. Um, it seems to be a very good Black Friday for people that don't have current-gen systems. 
So if you don't have an HDTV and don't have a PlayStation 3 or don't have an Xbox 360, this seems to be the year to jump on board. And again, that seems kind of odd to say with Xbox One and the PlayStation 4 launching the uh, two to one week before Black Friday, but that is how it's reading. Now, I, the only thing I'm, else I'm going to say on that right now is if you're going to be upgrading PlayStation, uh, PlayStation Plus, whether you're buying a PlayStation 4 or not, I'm going to tell you to wait. Uh, it's on sale Black Friday for 40% off. It's worth waiting, especially if you're buying a PlayStation 4 at launch because that comes with a month and every game you buy is going to come with an extra week. So, at this point, you know, this being that this is my first broadcast, I don't really have a whole lot more to go on. Next week, I'm going to talk more about the PlayStation 4 launch and the Xbox One launch. I'll have a PlayStation 4 in-house at that time and have better ideas of what its performance is like. I won't be getting an Xbox One, but I'll see enough to go on. Now, as for quote-unquote what I'm playing, which again is the whole title of the podcast, there's a number of things. Uh, one of the first things I want to look at is a PlayStation Network game by the title of Tokyo Jungle. It came out earlier this year, and it is a very uniquely Japanese game. The concept of the game is, is essentially, 10 years after the end of humanity, the animals have taken over Tokyo. And your task as a player is you take over the role of one of the animals, and your goal is to survive and propagate your species. So, the basics of the game are essentially eat, avoid predators, mark territory to take it over, mate and then start over again as your descendant with stats being handed down from parent to si or a child. And pretty much the entire game plays like that. There are some twists to it. There are challenges that are almost like achievements. It'll, the game will tell you to go do a certain thing, and if you do it in the time limit it tells you to, you'll get bonuses to your stats, which of course help you to continue onward. Uh, they also unlock other species. There's about 30 to 40 species in the game, plus about seven that are DLC that are all a dollar each to unlock each particular one. And they range from your starting races of a uh, Pekingese and a Sheikah deer on through your varieties of cats, lions, tigers, bears, cows, horses, all the way up to dinosaurs. So there's a large amount of variety in it, which for $15, it's not horrible. It's not a great game because it is fairly repetitive. And there, there are a number of things in it that kind of make me shake my head. Um, the fact that we're looking at 10 plus years after the end of humanity and there are still issues with smog and pollution kind of make me wonder who's making the smog and pollution unless we're talking Planet of the Apes. So that's the first thing I'm dealing with. Um, I'm kind of half and half playing Tales of Zillia, which is the latest Tales game from Namco Bandai. Uh, the U.S. is currently, I believe, two, two or three, no, two games behind with Tales of Zillia 2, and I think one other Tales game already out in Japan with Tales of Zillia 2 coming to the U.S. in 2014. It is, if you like Tales games, it's absolutely a solid game. The artwork and the animation and the music are great. Most of the voice acting is actually well above average, as much as I would love to have dual audio in the Tales games, it's not bad with one or two exceptions. The combat, especially early game, and admittedly I'm still fairly early in the game, seems very trivial. Most of my combats last anywhere from 10 to 12 seconds. 
And it's not that I'm good at this game, because I'm not. It just seems that outside of your boss fights, the monsters are remarkably easy. Now, the other thing is you have to upgrade your shops as you go and upgrade your gear, which you would think would be normal, but it feels almost gr too grindy doing that. Now, again, that could be just my game style, gameplay style. It could be something else. I'm not sure. Not saying it's not a great game. Not so, well. I'm not saying it's not a good game. I'll put it that way. Uh, it is on sale currently on Amazon. It will be on sale on Black Friday. It's worth picking up on sale. Absolutely. Not really playing anything on the Xbox right now. Um, most of the other rest of my gaming is on iOS. I'm playing two free-to-play games. One is Marvel Puzzle Quest from D3 Entertainment. Um, it uses the standard Puzzle Quest match three style that's been around on iOS and every console known to mankind for about the past four to five years. It's basically the same game with Marvel heroes involved. D3 has done a really good job putting PvP in the game without absolutely forcing you to play PvP. It's asynchronous multiplayer PvP, so you can be offline and be attacked by other players and win or lose. And if you lose, you can go back and retaliate against them. And the great thing is, is D3 is running events pretty much all the time that allow you to play against other players, get special rewards, unlock the upcoming characters sooner, with all without having to spend money. Now, that's not to say people aren't spending money. It's a little disheartening to not spend money and have characters in the t level 20 area and then go PvP and everybody's in the level 50 and 60 area with 3 and 4 star characters. It also feels like once you get a little bit into the game that the game really stops throwing comic book covers at you, which is how you increase your character skill and level. And it seems that the only way to really get those comic book covers at that point is to spend in-game money and getting the... It, you can either spend what they call ISO 8, which is fairly plentiful, it's also how you level up, or you can spend hero points. Hero points don't come around as often, and that's where your better characters are coming from. So it seems like you get to a certain point and you almost hit a paywall. And I hate that concept of it, but so far, I've been able to avoid the pay, uh, paywall and still have fun with the single-player campaign and some fun with the PvP areas. And the other single-player game I'm playing, or an iOS game that I'm playing, is one that a lot of people uh, talk about. There are websites devoted to this, and it's on iOS and Android, and it is Puzzle and Dragons. Uh, the fact that they have done a tie-in with Batham Ar Batman Arkham Origins, which just ended earlier today, is incredible. They have another one coming up with, of all things, Angry Birds. So you can be doing a match three game with a team of Batman, the Joker, and three Angry Birds. It, it's just completely ridiculous and, amazingly enough, takes a lot more strategy than you would expect out of a match three game because you're not just doing match three gameplay, you're also going along and doing a lot of combos, and that requires strategizing, mapping out your paths as far as how you're moving, setting up your moves. I mean, it's almost like thinking two and three moves ahead in chess at, to the level of complexity that's involved in setting everything up. And then, of course, there's elements of Pokemon in there with capturing, you know, collecting various monsters, leveling, leveling, leveling them up, going through and 
combining them and deciding what you want to keep and how you want to start and all that stuff. So there's a huge amount of gameplay in it. And again, you can get through most of it without spending money. Um, the only thing you spend money on in this game are magic stones, which are used for redoing your stamina, increasing the number of monsters you can hold, and slot machine spins. Um, and that being said, unless you're bound and determined to get the best possible monsters, you can skip spending time on the slot machine, except certain circumstances. So that's most of what I'm playing. The one that's taking up most of my time, though, and just had a fairly large patch release two weeks ago, is Grinding Gears Games Path of Exile. Uh, Path of Exile, the best way to describe this, if you haven't played it through the past year of open beta and the past month or so of actual launch, is Diablo 2 plus Eastern Sun plus good crafting plus the skill wheel from Final Fantasy X. So it's, it's an action RPG, very much in the vein of Diablo. You've got seven classes. Each class can pretty much be anything. So it's not a case where if you're a wizard, you're going to use a staff and spells and shoot fireballs and lightning. And if you're a ranger, you're going to be shooting arrows and running around and kiting everything in sight. It is very possible to have a ranger using a shield or a wand or a witch using a sword. There's a huge amount of versatility in it, but with that versatility comes a price. And the biggest price in this is that when you get towards in-game, the vast majority of builds that people are going to create are going to be non-viable. Now, unlike Diablo 2 and Diablo 3, Path of Exile gives you the ability to either play Standard or Hardcore. Now, Hardcore is exactly like you imagine it when you die you lose the character in hardcore. Unlike Diablo 2, though, that character's not deleted, it's not non-playable, you can continue to play it in standard at that point, which is great if you spent, you know, 25 hours building up a character to level 80, only to lose it to lag or desync with, you know, a huge amount of currency. So, on top of that, Path of Exile adds in four-month uh, seasons, and... These are about like Diablo 2's ladders, with the exception that they are time-based, pretty much exactly like the ladders. And each of them lasts, like I said, four months. They have, every time, a hardcore and a softcore version. The only drawback to it, and it's an understandable one, is that if you die in the hardcore ladder or season, you drop into standard softcore as opposed to the softcore season. The reason, of course, makes perfect sense because, A, there are items in the hardcore season, which the current one is called Nemesis, that are not in the softcore version, which is called Domination. Now, this is their second season that they're in the process of, and each one has had a little twist that was different. The first one, uh, the d hardcore version, all the monsters were 20% tougher, um, and in the softcore they had roaming what they called rogue exiles, which were basically NPCs that used player classes, player skills, and dropped a ton of loot. Now, when that season ended, they moved the rogue exiles into everything. So with this season, like I said, you've got Nemesis and Domination. Nemesis, every rare monster has a added ability from a certain pool. Some of these are fairly basic stuff, like they explode or they drain life from other dying monsters or they have increased ability 
or so on and so forth. Some of them get fairly nasty, and it can be very surprising, if not flat-out terrifying, to be running through a zone and have one of these hit you when you don't see them coming. Granted, once you've seen it the first two or three times, you're pretty much aware of what the ability is and how best to counter it. Now, Domination has shrines very akin to Diablo 2 that are surrounded by monsters, and if you can get in there through the monsters which are affected by the shrine and then tag the shrine, you can gain the ability of said shrine. Now, on top of all that, Path of Exile also does races, and on the, the races, they're into their fifth season, and they just announced it today, so I haven't even looked at it yet. I'm pulling it up right now. So season five, for what it looks like, is going to be, uh, begin on the 15th. Um, one of the things that they did back in the last season was Endless Ledge, which is basically an endless race for a certain amount of time where you just repeat a certain map style. Um, taking a look at some of the, the additions this time, they've got what is called a Burst, which, again, not 100% certain what all these are. They've got Burst, they've got Descent Champions. Now, Descent was from the last season where everybody started on a map with a chest, and you would go through various maps. There was no towns, there were no merchants, there was no trading, there was no parties. It was essentially, you cre started your character and you used what you found, and periodically you would find random chests and equip yourself that way. And then when the race ended, those characters would be destroyed. So again, you've got Burst, you've got Descent Champions. Those seem to be the new ones right now. And it looks like Descent Champions is the signature event. Now the great thing about these races is that as you go along, depending on what you do, you gain points. The more points you gain through the season, um, the more things you unlock. And we're not talking titles or anything special, you know, anything basic like that. We're talking about going, you know, the ability to unlock unique items with alternate artwork. Um, so you could unlock a unique sword that has artwork unlike anything else. So it, it really gives an impetus for people to do these timed events that range, you know, both American times, European times, so on and so forth. And there are a very large number of people that stream on Twitch that get, you know, on launch day, we're getting ten to 20,000 viewers. So it's absolutely a popular game. I think right now that it's launched and is now on Steam, it's in the top ten almost every day of games played. Now, it's not the only action RPG out there. Of course, Blizzard announced uh, their expansion for Diablo 3 is coming next year, which has some very interesting things in it. And the people behind one of the better action RPGs of the time, Titan Quest, have Grim Dawn coming out, which apparently has just entered beta. So, if you like action RPGs, if you like roguelikes, if you like random crazy stuff, definitely give Path of, Exi Path of Exile a shot. Again, it's free to play. You can get the game at pathofexile.com. You can get the game through Steam. You can play them either way. There, it is free to play. There are uh, microtransactions. Unlike a lot of games, the microtransactions are actually fairly tame. You can spend as little or as much as you want to. Um, I've been playing it for about a year, and I've spent about $30 
and it's all most all of it has gone into stash tabs to allow me to have more things in my town stash but they give you the ability to buy anything up to and including the ability to design your own unique for use in the game so it is entirely possible if you care to support them this way that you could spend thousands of dollars so that's what i'm playing this week i want to thank all of y'all for sticking through this with me i will be back next week again playstation 4 launch xbox 360 launch a little bit more on Black Friday, although I probably will wait till the th- week of Thanksgiving to touch base on that one. And probably more with various other items of what I'm playing. Thank you and have a good night.